Wilderness areas have always been off-limits to mechanized travel, including bicycles. But should bikes be allowed in wilderness areas? A national group called the Sustainable Trails Coalition thinks they should. I'm Brian Jennings. We discussed this idea with Eric Fernandez, Wilderness Coordinator for Oregon Wild, a large statewide conservation organization, and well-known mountain biker Woody Starr, former owner of Cog Wild, a Central Oregon mountain bike tour company. First, Eric Fernandez, followed by Woody Starr. This is SourceCast. Eric, Sustainable Trails Coalition is suggesting that wilderness areas should be open to mountain biking. Your response? I think there's a lot of interest in from mountain bikers and from wilderness advocates in protecting our natural treasures. And I think there are different ways we can take that. Some people are looking to find common ground and areas where we can all agree. Um, and, and we've had some success in that. I think others are looking at more fringe, controversial, extreme proposals like this, um, and I don't think that's a very productive way to move the conversation forward. I think there are other examples of success stories that we can focus on and, and look to, to model things after. Um, one example is in the Ochoco Mountains, where we worked with the mountain bike clubs here locally in Central Oregon to ensure that we had the right balance of wilderness protection and mountain bike trail access. And that takes a lot of time sitting down looking at maps, where are the trails, where are the wilderness potential areas, um, and, and really hashing through that. I think that's a productive dialogue, finding areas where we all agree, because I think a lot of mountain bikers are conservationists, and, and we need to be working together. Um, Going back to try to change the Wilderness Act is not something that is going to uh, bring anyone together. Um, that's going to be a, a controversial uh, fight that isn't going to, no one's going to come out winning after that. Now, the mountain biking proposal in the Ojikos would be outside of wilderness areas, would they not? Right, exactly. So we designed the wilderness proposals uh, as part in a partnership with uh, mountain bikers. You know, looking at where trails are, what new trails are being proposed, and and then we crafted uh, with that knowledge the wilderness proposal there. Um, and and then that the wilderness piece is a small piece of a larger national recreation area, which encourages conservation, fuels reduction, and recreation. Mountain biking being a part of that. So there's new trails being proposed, um, and and that's. The, the idea here is to find the right balance between conservation, recreation, and fuels reduction as well. Now we're talking about Bend being the epicenter of the mountain biking community of Oregon, the mountain biking capital of Oregon. We have 300 miles of trails right outside our door here, outside of a wilderness area, but still in the National Forest. Can you imagine mountain bikes up in the Three Sisters wilderness? I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, I, that's not a pretty picture. I think mountain biking is great. I, I mountain bike. A lot of people mountain bike. There's nothing wrong with mountain biking. Um, and it's appropriate in a lot of places. But there are a few places on the landscape that are so special and so important and maybe so sensitive that mountain biking isn't appropriate. There's not a lot of those places, but those places are out there and, and they should be protected. And, and, you know, that's just common sense. And I think a lot of people, you know, when you dig down and, and really look at it, um, and get past the rhetoric 
music. There's a lot of common ground out there, and I think that's what we found when we were looking at the Ochoco Mountains National Recreation Area and wilderness around Lookout Mountain is that when we you know, really sit down and talk things through, we can find areas of agreement and move forward. Some people are critical that you can ride a horse in a wilderness area. Um, do you think we should be taking a look at that? Uh, it's low impact, uh, but is there a difference between a horse and a mountain bike? There, there is a difference between a horse and a mountain bike and a hiker, and that's a fascinating conversation. Um, I'm going to let somebody else do that. I'm concerned about the chainsaws and bulldozers that, and then the ATVs that are destroying our natural areas and our national forests. That's, that's really what the Oregon Wild concern is, is the chainsaws and bulldozers. Uh, it's an interesting philosophical conversation to talk about the difference between horses uh, and mountain bikes and hikers, um, but we have bigger fish to fry. You know, I think there's a lot of folks out there who are pretty reasonable and aren't really supporting this effort, both in the conservation and the mountain bike community. There is a fringe group, and and this issue has come up every year, once a year, and, and there's never really been much substance behind it. I think this year... There's a little bit more substance there. Um, I think with all things that are happening on public lands, whether it's the Malheur Wildlife Refuge or the Donald Trumps just firing people up on issues and anything that's politically oriented right now, I I think that's uh, kind of fired up that fringe base. And so, you know, I think they're, they're a little, that vocal minority is coming out of the woodwork a little bit more this year. But I, you know, when I talk to people, they they want to find areas of agreement, and, and I think everybody that I talk to, for the most part, realizes this is not an area that there's going to be much agreement on. You know, let's let's focus on the areas where we can work together and, and find uh, successes um, and, and build on that, rather than, you know, let's uh, just pick a fight for picking a fight. I don't know if it's trial balloon, because I think this, this idea has been out there forever, and pushed forward by, you know, a very small minority, a very fringe group of mountain bikers. Um, and, and it's never gone anywhere because I think most people think and value there are some places that are important enough that, you know, maybe mountain bikes aren't appropriate. They're appropriate in a lot of other places, in most places, but there are a few places and wilderness areas are often those places where maybe mountain bikes aren't that appropriate. Eric, termed this proposal as really a fringe proposal. How would you view it? I don't think it's fringe at all. I think, um, you know, they've got, uh, I'm on their website right now, and they, they seem to have some pretty reasonable arguments. There's um, one, one point they're making is there's a massive maintenance deficit in many wilderness areas, and the uh, GAO study recently determined that the Forest Service was only able to maintain 25% of their existing system trails, so they need to rely on volunteers uh, to maintain the other 75% of their trails. Um, and mountain bikers definitely have a pretty strong track record of performing lots of volunteer trail work on, obviously, trails that are open to bicycles. Would you favor mountain bikes in wilderness areas? Well, that's a pretty general uh, question, and the answer is maybe. Um, what I what I like about the Sustainable Trails Coalition and what they're saying is that uh, it's a blanket ban across 
every uh, wilderness area. So they are also not in favor of a blanket permit, uh, meaning they don't think every single wilderness trail should be open to bicycles. I agree with that. I definitely don't think that uh, there's places that should be opened up to bicycles, and I think that, you know, we need some quiet and solitude, and uh, there's lots and lots of areas where that can be achieved, and I also think that, uh, you know, there's, there's, with some reasonable management, there's possibly some trails that have gone into disrepair, uh, where opening those to bicycle use might uh, bring the trail back to the standard that the rest of the public can uh, enjoy it. And the, the argument that um, local agencies, you know, in each, each area could be given the leeway to uh, open certain trails to bicycles, I, I, I don't see a problem with that. Do you have any specific examples, Woody? Uh, locally, you know, there's uh, some trails down near Culpus Lake. Uh, there's a trail uh, called the Corral Lakes, and it's gone back to nature because it's just one of those trails that's a little far away from from things. It's, uh, you know, to uh, clear deadfall off the trail in a wilderness area requires cross-cut saws and saws, and that takes a lot more time and effort and money. Um, and the Forest Service, frankly, has to prioritize which trails they're going to maintain. Um, it's unfortunate that they have to do that, but uh, funding being what it is, they do have to prioritize it, and there just aren't, uh, you know, legions of volunteers willing to go out and use hand saws to clear certain trails. And that would be, that's one of them in particular that has basically gone back to nature. There's many, many trails throughout Central Oregon that are in the system which uh, haven't been maintained. Uh, Coda is involved in some trails in the Ochicos, the non-wilderness trails, of course, but uh, some of those, Hotlip Trail, Scotty Creek Trail, the Cougar Mountain Trail, uh, those are north of Highway 26 in the Ochico Mountains. Those have gone back to nature as well just because of the deficit of maintenance. And uh, CODA is helping the Forest Service through a volunteer agreement to bring those back into a standard that the public can, again, enjoy those beautiful trails out there. Now, when you refer to the Corral Lakes, that would be in the Three Sisters Wilderness, would it not? Correct, yes. And it's... uh, it's a, there's a, there's some funny stuff out there in that area. Um, the wilderness boundary, if you look on a map, it's kind of drawn some straight lines and, you know, what looks like a series of squares on the map, um, really not following any kind of natural terrain uh, or, you know, creek or anything. Um, there's a trail that is uh, not a non-wilderness trail until you go through this one corner near Lucky Lake. And um, I happen to know that bicycles use it because it's it's a very short segment uh, through a corner of wilderness. And 
it's one way to get from A to B, you know, if you're heading through like Waldo back over to towards uh, Cultus. I was hiking out there last uh, summer, fall, and I believe I saw mountain bike tracks going through a section of the wilderness trail right out by Cultus. That doesn't surprise me. Um, it's, you know, not, not only does the uh, federal land management agencies not have enough money to do trail maintenance, they certainly don't have enough money to do enforcement. Um, and so <clears throat> what we're left with is kind of an honor system. Um, and in, in lots of places, uh, the honor system is working. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a, there's a wilderness down in southern Arizona, uh, that, uh, the Watsuko Mountains, that is heavily used by mountain bikes uh, just because those are the people that live around there and they're using it. And the Forest Service kind of, they just don't have the resources to stop that. Yeah, that seems to be everywhere you go, um, uh, not only here in Oregon, but just entirely throughout the West at this point. Yeah, and, it's, and again, it's a case-by-case uh, issue. You know, you can't, I, I don't, I definitely don't agree with, you know, the ban on bicycles came in the 1984 Wilderness Act Amendment. It wasn't intended in the 1964 original act because, frankly, mountain bicycles really didn't exist back then. Um, so the original framers of the, the act, uh, you know, they they could foresee push carts and, and other things, and they, you know, the term mechanized transport um, really was trying to eliminate motorized use. So their intent, most studies of it believe that they were looking to establish a non-motorized area. You know, the evolution of technology and, and the way things are... Uh, Spending, if you'll pardon the pun, pretty quickly uh, to evolve is uh, really interesting. And, you know, there's, <clears throat> I think a case could be made that some trails might benefit from uh, seeing uh, mountain bike use opened up on them. I, I take it that you would be against motorized access in wilderness areas, but you are open to the idea of mechanized travel, which is entirely different. I believe in human power travel, so uh, equestrian, hiking, uh, mountain bicycling, those are, those are all human powered. We're seeing a new niche in the bicycle industry with uh, electric assist bicycles, and the Forest Service just issued a rule just on March 23rd that electric assist bicycles will be categorized under the travel management rules as motorized vehicles. So. Yes, I, I agree that motorized use is not compatible with wilderness at all. Woody, we, uh, we're known in the Bend and Central Oregon area to be Oregon's capital for mountain biking, and we have uh, a tremendous formalized system of trails around the area. Um, mountain biking is growing in popularity. Do you see, do you see that continuing? Well, uh, it seems to be a pretty steady growth that we've been experiencing. Um, I do see it continuing with 
respect to, uh, you know, expanding the various kinds of technology that people are using. Uh, fat bikes would be a good example of a new emerging uh, use where uh, folks now can ride on groomed or, you know, well-packed snow and on soft surfaces like beach sand. Uh, so that's a new niche that we couldn't have seen maybe even 10 years ago. Um, like I just mentioned, electric assist bicycles is a, another niche of, of possible growth in the industry. Um, if you study with the, you know, the bicycle retailers, uh, it's a, it's fairly consistent what, um, what the bicycle industry revenues look like over the past, uh, 10 years. It hasn't, hasn't grown or shrank. Um, but in some ways, I think that's indicative that, uh, people are still out there doing it. Um, it's growing locally, uh, because the tourism and, and the whole colony of Central Oregon, uh, seems to be increasingly more recreation focused. So people seek that in this local area. So yes, yes, I think it's growing. Um, and it's also kind of holding, holding the same. Is it safe to say that you've ridden most of these trails, Woody? Most? <laughs> There's definitely trails that I have not ridden. We, uh, we have about 700 miles of uh, mountain bike legal trails uh, just in the Benport and the Deschutes National Forest. Uh, there's upwards of 900 miles of uh, non-motorized trail uh, here. Uh, that's a lot of that's a lot of miles, and I, I think that's one of the things that brings people to the area. There's there's a uh, lots and lots of things to explore, and if you spread out even further into the Ochacos or up towards Stanium Pass, maybe the Mackenzie. Um, you include some other areas within an hour or two drive, Smith Rock State Park, for example. Um, you know, the, there's over 1,200 miles of mountain bike trails in this region, so that's that's definitely a draw. Well, what's holding you up? <laughs> I'm working on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add, Woody? It's been uh, very informative, and I thank you. Um, if, if people want to look further into this issue, it's 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 pretty interesting. I don't know. The debate uh, isn't isn't black and white. It, there's definitely cause for opening some trails to mountain bikes uh, in terms of bringing them back into public use. And I I feel pretty strongly that there's there's areas that. It just should be left non-mechanized. Let's put it that way. I mean, there, and you know, for the other point to it, is our population is increasing. You know, you can't really go to Green Lakes anymore and experience solitude. Um, and so, I, I think uh, you know, if people are seeking solitude. Then uh, there's there's got to be ways to manage for that. But it's it's tricky. I don't I don't the managers public lands they're underfunded and over overtaxed i'm brian jennings for the source weekly and you've been listening to sourcecast also online at bendsource.com